This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. It's the last podcast of the World Series because this Texas Rangers wrapped up the first championship in franchise history. And today will be better than yesterday. Uh, I'm Buster Only in Phoenix. It's very late on Wednesday night. Taylor Schwenk is back in uh, Connecticut. Taylor, the baseball season is over. Uh, what did you think of the Rangers winning the World Series? Uh, I, you know, looking back, when you look at the whole season, you know, they were the most dominant team for a, a good stretch of time. You know, they were very impressive. I don't know that this sort of thing is sustainable, but looking back on it now, not super surprising that they won and, and won in five games. Yeah, and I, I'd say this, you know, I, I thought as this uh, series played out, I said early in the series, I thought that both teams had sort of gained immunity to momentum. Like if they mm-hmm. fell behind, they'd had so much success, so much guard tissue that they were going to be fine. But then after the Diamondbacks did not play well in game four, they got blown out. Their pitching staff got blown out. Uh, you know, uh, Christian Walker with an unusual uh, defensive mistake the day after he made a base running mistake. They just sort of, it felt like they kind of ran out of gas a little bit, Taylor, watching this series, especially because early in game uh, in game five, you know, they threatened and threatened and threatened and they could not score. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough to see that. And again, like they didn't play a terrible series, but looking at the four one margin of the, the, you know, the games one is is kind of misleading in, in all this. And I. You know, it was it stunk that they couldn't couldn't get anything going because I I felt like they played all right tonight. You know, like again, it was just just a some bad defensive plays, couldn't get any guys on bases. You know, it just the little they things. couldn't come through. Yeah. I mean, they were what zero for nine with one hundred scoring position through like five innings. They just constantly threatened against Nathan Avaldi, and constantly the Rangers were making plays like Evan Carter in the bottom of the second inning. Swing and a ball rip. Left field charging in, sliding, making the catch as Carter in left field. He stole a hit from Longoria. The throwback into second, too late to get Guriel. Yeah, and they, Corey Seager made a couple nice plays at shortstop. And it really did feel like Foreman versus Ali, where the, the Rangers were Ali. They're playing rope a dope. They're just kind of hanging in there, hanging in there through rally after rally by the, the Diamondbacks that was not cashed in. Meanwhile, Zach Allen was shutting down the Texas Rangers. Here was Zach Allen in the third inning. And the pitch. Swing and a ground ball up the middle, but right there, Perdomo behind the bag at second. Gobbles it up, throws the first, and Zach Gallon has gotten the first nine that he has faced. Nice and easy. Nine up, nine down. 27 pitches, Boogie's been able to do all of that. He was rolling. Here he was in the fourth inning. Three and two down. Here comes. Swing and a miss. Stuck him out. Zach Gallon has been razor sharp. Perfect through four. What Boog Shambi, who, of course, is the play-by-play man on the World Series and ESPN Radio, told me was that he didn't really talk about a no-hitter in three until you get through five. Well, he got through five with a no-hitter intact. And the pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And Gatlin able to get Heim. And that's the inning. No runs, no hits, a walk, one man left. Five hitless, scoreless innings for Zach Gallen. We're midway here in the fifth. Zach Gallen continued in the sixth. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And Gallen with six shutout, no hit innings here in World Series. Game five. 
The problem, of course, was that the Diamondbacks just couldn't score. Uh, finally, in the top of the seventh inning, Corey Seager, yeah, that guy, came to the plate for the Rangers. Here it comes. Swing and a ground ball, softly hit. Fair ball down the third baseline, and Guriel over to pick it up in shallow left field. Seager hit it off the end of the bat. He cued it, and because they played him to pull on the infield, it was between Longoria and the line, and a soft rolling single for the first hit of the game for Texas. Now that rally would continue. Another run of reach base. The Mitch Garver came to the plate. The 0-1. Swing and a ground ball. Base hit into center field. Seeger into score. Carter is going to be stopped at third as the throw is cut off by Christian Walker. It's an RBI single for Mitch Garver. And the Rangers here in the seventh have taken a 1-0 lead. The way that Rangers manager Bruce Bochy decided to try to protect that lead was to replace Nathan Avaldi, who pitched a good, gritty game. He wasn't dominant, but he worked through all those rallies early, was to go to Aroldis Chapman and then to Josh Spores. This is Spores dominant in the eighth inning. Two and two, the pitch. Outside corner, got him looking. Smith is gone. Spores does the job. Josh Spores strikes out Paven Smith. And the Rangers now three outs away from a World Series title. But before they would get those three outs, they would tack on runs with help from Jonah Heim. And the pitch. Swing and a ground ball. Base hit out of the right center field. Here comes Young around third. Beasley's going to send him. It goes under the glove of Thomas. It's going to roll all the way to the wall. Racing around to score is low. Stopping at third is Heim. Oh, disaster for the Diamondbacks. And now it is 3-0 Texas. And a few batters later, Marcus Simeon came to the plate. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Well struck. Left field. That one back on its way. And it's gone. Home run, Marcus Simeon. And that might be the put-away shot. Simeon a two-run blast, and it is 5-0 Texas. Yeah, that did feel like the coup de grace, no question about it, for the Texas Rangers. Here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the ninth. Here it comes. In there! And that does it! History in the desert! The Texas Rangers, for the first time ever, are World Series champs! And the celebration begins third base side of the mound. The dog pile as they jump up and down out of the dugout, out from the bullpen in right field. The Rangers celebrate. The Texas Rangers are World Series champs. So I was down on the field right after that. They were handing out T-shirts and caps, and I caught up with Bruce Bochy, the Rangers manager. Coach, the Texas Rangers' first championship, your fourth championship. How you feel? Uh, it's unreal. It really, I could be happier for these guys. I'm a byproduct of what these guys did, man. They, it's it's a, as tough a group as I've ever had, how resilient, what we had to deal with. Even in the World Series, I could be happier for these guys to write history. 11-0 on the road in the postseason. How do you describe what you guys did? I, I wish I could explain it, man. These were road warriors. I tell you, you had her backs against the wall, you think, but they just came out every day, man. I, I'm just so honored to be uh, part of this group here. Last one, how about Corey Seager? I don't know what I'll say about him, man. I don't know how to describe him. He, he's, he's unreal, unbelievable. Uh, he's just a, as good a baseball player as I've ever seen. And I spoke with Corey Seager, who would be named the World Series MVP shortly after this interview. 
Corey, how you feeling? Um, awesome, man. You know, this is what a group. You know, to be able to come out here and accomplish that and battle. Of all these wins on the road, you know, to never be able to do it, you know, this is just a hell of a group, and I can't be more proud to be here. When did you feel like this was possible? Um, you know, we always felt confident in ourselves, you know, coming in the playoffs. We turned the page from not winning division, and we battled, man. We battled all year. We battled all postseason, and you finally reaping the awards of it. How tense was this game tonight? They had runners on base all over the place early on. Yeah, you know, a hell of a job by Evo, you know, just completely shutting him down, getting out of huge spots. And credit to Gallon, you know, he was tough. We couldn't do anything against him. And we scratched and clawed, finally came out with a win. After the game, you gave Bruce Butcher a hug. What would you t say to him? It's just that I loved him and thanked him for it. You know, for what he's done for this group and what he's done for this team, it's just it's unbelievable. Corey, thanks. Thank you. And I spoke with an emotional Marcus Simeon. Marcus, that final ad is registered. What are you feeling in your heart? I mean, I'm letting out tears on a baseball field. You know, I haven't done that since I was a little kid. Um, this is why we play the game. This is why I play the game. You know, um, just a crazy way to win, too, being no hit um, through six or whatever it was, five. And then the bats woke up. You know, the bats woke up, and we, we were exactly who we were the entire year from the seventh inning on. When did you really start to think this was a possibility? When we got up one nothing. You know, our pitching's been so good. The insurance is always good. It relaxes you a little bit because when you're out there and it's one nothing, the crowd's going crazy. You know, they get a base runner on. You, you just, you know, anything can happen. But we, we put up four runs in the eighth inning to put insurance in the World Series game that we clinched. It's, that feels good. How would you describe what Bruce Bochy's meant to this team this year? Everything. You know, we we had a tough year last year. You know, nobody wanted to be there. Coach came in, said right, right from the jump, this is our goal. We didn't believe it. We continued to play better and better and better and better until we, we let's go get this now. But from the beginning of the year to now, just such growth from this group. Um, Coaching staff works so hard, too, because Bochy demands that out of them, and that's great. And Alex Thomas, uh, who made that error late in the game, spoke with reporters in a quiet clubhouse. It sucks. Yeah, I definitely could have done a better job of getting in front of the ball and, you know, calming down and, and uh, you know, just fielding it. But I think I rushed it and, yeah, just didn't get the glove down. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, but I think I, I think I made an error on that two times last year and this year and I think by now I should have learned my lesson on how to go about that ball but I'm definitely going to you know work on that in the offseason make sure that doesn't happen again you know it was a big stage and you know I, I folded right there so I definitely could have done a better job well I hope he doesn't beat himself up too much because they didn't score any runs and it really didn't make a difference they didn't play well down the stretch but hey Alec Thomas, the Diamondbacks, what a tremendous year. Tori Lovello, the Arizona manager, talked about their defensive struggles in the last two games. We weren't playing freely defensively, and you see what happens when you make mistakes like that it, and you do it against good teams on this level in the final series of the year, it compounds itself, and it, it led to some led to some crooked numbers you know I'm not saying they would or wouldn't have scored runs but Alec was just trying to knock down 90 feet and save that guy going for first and third and it led to a big inning so um, we try to play fast it means sometimes defensively it means sometimes we make some mistakes but we've been very good all year long at securing the baseball the last two days we did not and it made it showed up and made a difference. Troy Lovello spoke with very circumspect after the game uh, spoke with his players uh, recognized the fact that this hurts 
Uh, he talked about how much is hurting him, but he also, by the end, was uh, at least had a smile on his face. He talked about ice cream. I just want to, I want to run away and hide for a few days. I want to go camping and just sit in the tent and and suck my thumb, you know, <laughs> and eat ice cream. <laughs> Is that the weirdest answer you guys have ever had? Right <laughs> Tori Lovello did such a great job for the Diamondbacks this year, Taylor. Yeah, man. I mean, Tori Lovello, clearly a star, managing a team full of stars. You know, it's it's unfortunate that this is where it ended. But uh, I mean, things things look promising for for the snakes out there in the, in the desert. So if you're if you're a snakes fan, Diamondbacks fan, like don't don't get too down yourselves tonight. No, good. it was a year of great progress for them. What else you got? Buster, a couple things. First of all, when we uh, we're going to do our next episode on Monday, we're going to do a look a little look ahead to the off season. We'll do a little uh, retrospective of this past season, and that whole show is going to be presented by our friends at Granger. Uh, we love the folks over there at Granger, so love a good takeover episode. Um, also, the College Game Day podcast put together an episode today. Uh, that was a good one. A lot of uh, talk of Dabo Sweeney um, going at it with that. Uh, going off. Yeah. He went he off. Going off on that collar, which was, uh, I think, rightfully, you know, deserved the way he handled the collar. But uh, Dabo, a little bit, a little bit sensitive there. So the guys have fun with that. Just um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 an interesting cat. So and the guys have good res- perspective on him. So they were able to. You know, respect him on the one hand would be like Dabo. Come on, man. Come on. It's just right. Like, exactly. You're Dabo Sweeney. Right. You're you know? Dabo freaking Sweeney, man. It's okay. <laughs> Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy wouldn't be bothered by that. Right. Anyway. Oh, I know. He would have a big laugh, actually. <laughs> the NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. That's vividseats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash buster. Just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
All right. This is the final of the clown car editions that we have on the Baseball Tonight podcast during the World Series. Uh, I'm Buster Only, and we are with Jessica Mendoza. We're with Eduardo Perez. But no Boog Shambi, Eduardo. What? What's up with that? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I am in shock right now with what is going on. I can't believe it. But you know what? He was still a star for those five games of this World Series. I am mad. It's not okay. <laughs> we got left. We've been in this together. And now it's just us, guys. All right, Jess. You get the first shot at uh, game five. The Texas Rangers winning their first championship. They were getting no hit. No hit through six innings. And then it just felt so perfect that it was Corey Seager, not with the big blast, not with the extra base hit, but a 67-mile-an-hour single to break it up and ultimately come around and score in that inning to really break open the runs. You felt, and we talked about it, Eddie, throughout the entire game, whoever was going to score first in this game was going to win it. That inning was everything, especially starting off with Corey Seager. It just seems like whoever always scored first in this one won, right? So it just makes makes it perfect, and it made it perfect that it was Corey Seager. But Nathan Ivaldi today, what he did, being able to get out of jam after jam after jam, was really impressive. Uh, we thought it, we thought he was going to break, but he never did. All he did was bend and give credit to the pitches that he made. Give credit to the defense. Give credit Corey to the Seager. strikeouts. Just plays on defense that he made. Not you know not uh, not not making errors. Balls hit Adam hard. He he was so comfortable playing shortstop in big spots. They played clean defense the entire World Series. It was it was impressive how they were able to just make that routine play and and the trust that the pitching had on defense. It showed, Jess. Yeah. Well, and I I really think about the unsung heroes because yes, we will mention Seager's name. We'll mention all of the big hitters. But how about? You think about in this one, Josh Spores, then John Gray, Andrew Heaney. Like those three names of relief starting, however you want to look at it. The biggest weakness for the Texas Rangers, everybody knew it was the bullpen. And Josh Spores throwing two and a third's innings, being able to shut down a Diamondbacks team that we saw even as recently as last night be able to score runs late. So those kind of pitching performances were everything because that was a huge weakness for Texas coming in. But was it a weakness? Because at the same time, I think Bruce Bochy was trying to find out who could and who couldn't do the job. I mean, at one point, Jose LeClerc wasn't even part of their big <laughs> pressure situations early in the season. And he kept putting guys out there. He kept giving them an opportunities. And he was fizzling out the guys that couldn't. And he was adding the guys that could. And at the end of the day, you are right. It was Spores. It was LeClerc. It was Chapman coming in. Brought him in in the seventh inning tonight uh, to face three hitters. And then after that, he was like, okay, we're going to Spores right here to see if we can get four outs. Then they added jugular runs. That's what Joe Madden calls them, the jug runs. Adding runs, going for the kill. They did. And they didn't have to throw LeClerc at all. And it was Spores that ends up being on the highlight reels forever in Texas. You know, a, a couple days ago when we talked about this, uh, I mentioned it felt like that both of these teams were immune to, uh, you know, momentum, that they were playing so well. They had fought through so much adversity in all the rounds coming up to the World Series that even when the Diamondbacks got down or the Rangers got down early in the series, you thought, you know what, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll figure it out. That's not going to bother them. I began to feel in the middle of game four like, no, it, it actually is starting to wear on the uh, Diamondbacks because they just didn't play well, right? In this series, they just didn't play well. They didn't, and, and at the end at the end of the, in that last inning, it sort of just showed, 
right? It was it was the the error, uh, the hit, and then the error that just emptied out the bases. Jonah Heim getting it. It was it was tough to watch if you're an Arizona Diamondback fan, but you also, as an Arizona Diamondback fan, have to love the future because it's bright with Corbin Carroll on that team, Alec Thomas. You can keep on and on just adding Jordan Lawler is going to be a beast in Gabby this team. Moreno. Gabby Moreno. Uh, we can we can continue to give names, but one thing that they do have is a foundation here in Arizona. Yeah, and that's what uh, Tori Lavella was talking about after the game when he met with reporters. He said, yes, this hurts, but he talked to his players and he essentially said, feel this, but no what you accomplished was remarkable and we're going to build going forward. And can I just add to that? I mean, Zach Gallen hasn't looked good for a while. Yeah. He looked insane tonight and, yeah. and not just the fastball, the location he was throwing right on run, right on run changeups buster. that were nasty bearing in on the hands of the right-handed batters. I mean, there was a reason why the Rangers and their offense couldn't get a hit and to just know that Gallen had that ability the entire season on the line no one will be talking about that because ultimately they lose but after his production or lack thereof through a lot of these postseason games he threw an absolute gem in this one so Eduardo we had the Rangers in the first Sunday night game this year and I remember being around those guys I'm not even going to pretend that I thought that anything like this was possible but I remember you know talking with Marcus Simeon and Robbie Grossman and Corey Seager and Bruce Bochy and thinking man this is a serious group of baseball players like they really uh Jacob deGrom you know these guys Nathan Avaldi they're just guys who are just locked in all the time and so it was really cool after they win the World Series is sort of see that facade come down you know, the joy in Bruce Bochy's face, Marcus Simeon talking about being in tears, you know, in the bottom of the ninth inning, knowing that they were that close. Uh, you know, Corey Seager was so happy, you know, and what, a, and what a job he did. And I did tell, want to tell you this one story. The only moment when I saw anyone cross on the field after the game was as I was waiting to talk to Bruce Bochy, they're handing out the championship hats and you know the issue with Bruce Bochy and hats, right? <laughs> He's got a big head. Well, the hat they handed to him looked like it was a beanie. And he was putting it on, and he yells at the guy handing out the hats, This one doesn't fit, Eduardo! <laughs> That's odd. I think, but you know what? He has experience at that. This is the fourth <laughs> time he has he's had to do that as a manager, and congratulations go to him. You know, Buster, the thing that stood out to me when you interviewed Marcus Simeon after the game and he was emotional about it was when Bruce Bochy said, guys, we, he made us believe. They didn't believe. They didn't even believe at the moment that he said it. But as the season went on, they started seeing that it was real. And this all starts with Chris Young. The vision that Chris Young had with the support of ownership played in a major way. And I'm telling you something right now. Chris Young, yes, he went to Princeton, but he also played. And he saw what a good clubhouse is, and he saw what great leadership looks like. And I think a lot of teams, and this is a copycat league, and you know this, a lot of teams are going to start trying to find that next Chris Young to try to identify what a great clubhouse looks like to build a championship and competitive team. Maybe that's what the Red Sox are going for, getting Craig Breslow, like a guy who's been in a clubhouse before, right? Someone who's done that. Jess, uh, feelings on the Texas Rangers? I mean, I just love the fact that 
you know, they you go back to just them losing the last game of the season, kind of back in their way, being so mad. Bruce Brochy pretty much having tears as they flew over to Dallas. I had their wild card series in Tampa Bay. They were frustrated. They were mad. But they also had this whole idea of we are so much better than what this is showing as we come into the postseason. And I just, I loved how they kind of discovered who they were. Because as much as they were streaky and they had these points in the season, or they were one of the best teams in the entire American League, they couldn't really put it all together. And that's why October is so exciting. And to see Bruce Bochy understand, okay, this guy doesn't have it, and I am going to quickly just switch gears and go to somebody else. That doesn't happen. Usually you get that pause. You get the overthinking. You get the analytics, which is fine. Boch looks at the scoreboard the entire game. He doesn't have a piece of paper in front of him. There's no cheat sheet. There's none of those colored squares that tell you exactly when, how to do what. And that warms my heart that that part of the game still exists. Yeah, and I relay a story that Tori Lavella told us before the game about how you know he's got all this information in front of him, and he he finds himself sort of ping-ponging, looking at the field, looking down his nose, looking at the field, looking down his nose, and then he'd look over at Bruce Bochy, and Bochy sitting over there with his arms folded, completely calm, uh, not ramped up at all. I actually thought the end of the game was sort of a classic Bochy decision. We all assumed that once you get to the ninth, that Jose Leclerc is going to finish the game, but Bruce Bochy just watched. Spores and was like, you know what? He's doing pretty well. I'm going to leave him in there. Going to leave him in there. And it's, you know, credit to the offense that gave him that cushion. Uh, but he had Leclerc warming up. If he would have walked one guy or he would have, another player would have gotten on base, it would have been Leclerc, who he didn't want to bring in, who had never pitched three consecutive days in a row, trying to protect that arm as well. Look, um, it's every kid's dream to be able to throw the last out of the World Series and make that out, and Josh Spores seized the moment. Yeah, pretty incredible. All right, guys, uh, thank you for this final Clown Car edition. It was a lot of fun working with you during the World Series. We love you, Buster. It's been a heck of a year. Unbelievable year. Miss you. I'll miss you guys. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Zero, zero, nine, six. 
This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing? This late uh, Wednesday night, the World Series is over. You're still in the press box in Arizona. I am, and you know I'm doing great. I got to see one of my all-time favorite baseball people, Bruce Bochy, win the World Series in person. I can't believe it, so I'm doing great. What... Uh, Tell me what stuck out with you uh, covering this World Series. Oh, my gosh. I mean, everything. But certainly seeing the way that both these managers interact with their players. And that goes for Troy Lavallo as well. I think this was a really, really good World Series for the impact of a manager and for seeing what kind of impact they can have on the guys in their clubhouse. So it was really fun to see all that happen. And no, we love to see a team win its first title, so very, very exciting to see. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is four, so we have to start with Boch, who won his fourth title as manager. He is one of only, only six managers to win at least four World Series titles. He joins Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, Connie Mack, Walter Olsen, Joe Torre, and I think there's an argument to be made that this may be his most impressive of the four because of that bullpen, because of the fact that this team blew more saves than they converted in the regular season, and here they are figuring out the bullpen in the postseason. You and I have talked about this. This is what he's put up to do it again with another team and a whole new cast of characters. It is so, so impressive. Number two. Number two is six. So Nathan Baldy and Zach Allen tonight became two of ten pitchers in postseason history to make at least six stars. And to make six stars, I say at least, but no one's made more than that in the single postseason. Mm. Nathan Baldy is the first guy to have his team win all six. And yes, he's the first guy to start five wins, get five wins. We we don't talk about pitcher wins. I don't talk about pitcher wins. You know that. But this team won every game he started this postseason. He's the first guy to do that with six starts. Number one. Number one is zero because as great as Nathan and Baldy was tonight, Zach Gallon was rolling through those first six innings. So he did not allow a hit, did not allow a round through those first six. Rangers became the second team in postseason history to win a game where they did not have a hit or a run through six innings in that game. The other team to do was the Cubs in uh, NLDS game three against the Nationals in 2017. Kind of a different situation being here on the road, looking to punch the World Series. Really, really impressive. And somehow, the moment they got that first hit off Gallon, even though he'd been rolling, knowing this offense, you kind of knew it might happen. And even so, entering the ninth, it was one nothing. We're facing the seventh World Series clincher ever in a one nothing game. And then, of course, they are. Piled on a bit in the ninth, ruining that noble winning of the World Series. 
So, you know, Sarah, I love telling you stories that uh, make you laugh. And so this one, uh, you were busy in the press box right after the game. So I know you, you weren't listening uh, and, you know, to, uh, you know, any of our conversation we had on ESPN radio after the game, I'll tell you this story now. Um, you know, I'm down on the field and I'm waiting to do the interviews and I'm, I'm stalking Boach. Like he and Corey Seager are my two that I want to get. And as I'm waiting for Boach, uh, there's a guy who begins to hand out hats and you know what Boach is famous for, right? He's got oh, the massive yeah. head, right? He's always been known for that. And so he grabs the hat and he puts it on his head and it looks like a beanie. And he's like, Hey, this isn't big enough. And I think it was the only moment when I thought saw Boach was tense the entire world series. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's perfect. Now uh, the MLB social team. There's a really fun video sometime early in this World Series when they asked a bunch of players on the Rangers if they could guess his hats on. And the only guy to get it was the Bay Area kid, Marcus Semyon, of course. But it was so fun seeing them try to guess or kind of going like, should I answer this? Do I not? That's my <laughs> manager. But it was really funny. And of course, there was He's a World Series four-time World Series manager. I hope they can find him a hat his size now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, how much is he in the conversation now in your eyes for the greatest manager ever? When you're talking about someone, as you say, one of six managers to win at least four titles, uh, he uh, is 6-0 and in winner-take-all games, which is unbelievable. And then the number that uh, you generated yesterday in potential clinching games, his teams are 17 and four. 17 and four in potential clinching games. He puts the hammer down and they they wrap it up. What do you think about that conversation? Who, for you, in your mind, do you consider to be the greatest manager ever? I, mean, I think there's no question now if I get out of qualifier that he is the best postseason manager of all time. It's almost not fair. To put guys like Stengel and McCurkey and Mack and Austin into the conversation because they didn't have to manage man win or take off one game, game you know, with uh, Madison Bumgarner on the map. They didn't have to go through multiple rounds like they did this season. And even Joe Torrey was not the same back in the late 90s and early 2000s compared to where it is now. And as you said, six no win or take off. That means game seven, game five, and those one-game playoffs that we don't have anymore. But to me, it's be able to succeed in all of that. And even the way bullpens are used now, the way teams are managed now, there's so many more moving parts than there were back then. I'm not disrespecting history, but to me, he is no question the greatest postseason manager of all time for juggling everything that comes with managing in the postseason these days. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you for bearing with us uh, throughout the World Series. Uh, and I'm hoping that you can, uh, th the next episode we have is going to be on Monday. We're going to have a, an off-season look ahead. Can you join us for that? Absolutely. That will be hopefully the first time I wake up after a couple of uh, days of sleeping, but absolutely for you. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Thursday. Last set of Bleacher Tweets for the 2020. 
three season. Blade Bigler writes in, the ebbs and flows of Game 5 have been epic. Go Rangers! David Fitzgerald writes in, in the spirit of Buster picking the Padres to win it all, I say the Game 5 winner wins the World Series, <laughs> written, written in the, the fifth inning. Well, that's really going out on a limb, David, okay? <laughs> At least I picked the Padres one out of 30 teams. Yeah, my pick was a total disaster. But come on, you're picking one out of two. Let's go. Uh, uh, glad the Rangers fans were, were having some fun, you know, in the middle of yes. that game. Oh, 100%. Andrew Campbell writes in Buster, if 10 years from now, we're looking back, uh, looking at the back of the baseball card and Corey Seager's career stats are on the bubble of Hall of Fame status. Is it fair to look at his legendary postseason runs in 2020 and 2023 to get him over the hump and into the Hall? Oh, no question. I, I don't think he has much longer to go, actually. I mean, when you have this type of success in the postseason, I don't have his numbers up in front of me. I'm guessing off the top of my head, he's got something like, you know, 12 to 1500 hits. Plays a few more years. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Brother JD, uh, John Moore, the fourth writes in looking forward to the podcast. Also, with who they have coming back and DeGrom returning for the last quarter of the season next year. Could you see them going this far again? Uh, first off, I would never say no about this team. Uh, you know, they demonstrated that this year. I do think, you know, that the injury questions are going to hang over them. Uh, you know, Max Scherzer is going to be back. He's still under contract with the team. I, I don't know what you, at this point, because of these nagging injuries he's had, what you can expect. DeGrom, in theory, would be back for the end of the season. But we saw DeGrom when, uh, you know, he's with the Mets. He constantly had setbacks. So I, I don't know if you can necessarily count on him. They do have. Uh, Nathan Avaldi, they do have John Gray, and I do think they're going to wind up, uh, you know, wind up re-signing Jordan Montgomery. That is one thing about the Rangers. You can be sure that they're going to, yeah. I saw Ray Davis, by the way, after the game, the Uh the Rangers owner. We we talked a little bit about him. You know, we've given a lot of credit, rightly so, to to the fact that Peter Seidler, the Padres owner, basically said, cost be damned. Uh, you know, I think the Phillies owner has done that, uh, it, which is really cool. And Ray Davis basically went to Chris Young a couple winters ago and said, he's 81 years old. He's like, let's go. He wants to win a championship. And I saw him go uh, go up to Marcus Simeon, give him a big hug and thank him for helping them do this, which is really cool. Ray Davis not going to have to take out a $50 million loan to cover pay- payroll. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the Padres. All right. Uh, next question. Garrett Shields writes in, Buster, as a D-backs fan, what should I realistically expect for next year and the next few years? I think they'll challenge uh, in the National League West. I still think over the course of 162 games, a team like the Dodgers with all their money, all their stars, uh, they have to be considered the favorites. And I, I've said on the podcast before, and it's just a guess. Uh, I think they're going to be the team that lands Shohei Otani. Mm, all right. Last one for the season. Noah, just sending a thank you. Thanks uh, you, Sarah, myself, Langer, Ravi, Boog. Uh, I mean, we could we could go on forever. Jess, Eduardo, Todd, uh, Hembo. Yeah. Can't forget about Hembo. We would get in trouble. No, with Greeny no. If we, if we forget about Hembo, it's going to wind up on Greeny's show yeah. or on Get Up, right? Yep. No. Yep. That was amazing. All right. Well, thank you, Noah, and thank you to the listeners for writing in all season. We'll be back on Monday to look ahead to the the um, the off season. So bring it, send your bleacher tweets in over the weekend. Nice. Yeah, we uh, we're we're already lining up guests for that, and uh, you know, looking forward to a conversation about what should be a really busy off season, headlined by two words: Shohei Otani. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, that's, uh, that's it for this week in the world series. They say, we're going to have some more information, uh, more stuff in the podcast on Monday today. 
My thanks to Boog, Jess Eduardo, Sarah Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Woo! All right, dude. Thanks for staying up late. Yeah, man. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.